Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, what's up, and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast where we review the latest comic books and rate them for your enjoyment. My name is Levens, and with me is Siobhan Coombs, aka, Hello. what's your alias? Uh, CBG, comic book girl. Super original. <laughs> um, in the past, you may have heard us reviewing comic books um, as part of my other podcast, Hey Fam. We used to do a spin off podcast called, like, once a month, called Siobhan and Levens Have Serious Issues. We would review the comics of the month, and it would be this in- incredibly long, uh, many titled uh, hour plus episode mm-hmm. where we would review like 30 comics uh, or more. Uh, Too many. So we thought we'd do it a bit more regularly, and we're doing it with a bit of assistance from our good friends at King's Comics. Um, so every comic book that we talk about on the podcast today, you can pick up at King's Comics. You'll find it at 310 Pitt Street in between Bathurst and Liverpool Street. And you can also purchase them online at kingscomics.com. And this year, which is pretty exciting, it is King's 30th birthday. So they've been around for 30 years. Well, that's one year less than I've been alive. That's insane. I had <laughs> yeah, no idea. Isn't, isn't that crazy? Like George has just been there forever. Um, but yeah, so... Really exciting. They're going to have a lot of really exciting stuff coming up for Free Comic Book Day this year. So keep an eye out. So later on the episode, we're going to be reviewing new comics, um, issues like Independence Day, the comic, finally. Uh, New ones from Marvel, Hyperion number one. Uh, The latest Batman, Star Wars, Klaus, and X-Men. We're also giving you some uh, recommendations of Superman stories that are infinitely better than Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, Plus we'll be... Reviewing and rating some upcoming comics um, as part of the DC Rebirth project that was just announced. But uh, before we get to that, you need to, you need to get to know us. Absolutely, um, Siobhan, Tell us about yourself. Um, well, I'm 25. I live in Sydney. Um, I worked at King's Comics for eight years from when I was 17. I'm very excited to be returning to King's Comics very soon. Um, yeah, you've, you've had a dark period. Yeah, away, I had, I had a dark period of working in advertising and now I've returned <laughs> to the light of comics. Um, but yeah, just I never I never quite got over comics. I'm a big Archie fan. I love manga. So I will be reviewing also this week a brilliant new series called Princess Jellyfish. Um, and each week Siobhan will try harder and harder to get me to read even one manga. <laughs> it'll happen one of these days. <laughs> I swear it'll happen. Yeah, um, my name's Levins, and uh, I run another podcast called Hey Fam, where we talk about pop culture each week with my friend Angus Truscott. 
Um, I also run another one called The Mitchin, which is a food podcast. I've got a background in, uh, in restaurants and cooking. I used to have a restaurant in the city called The Dip. Uh, but most part of my life is spent DJing. Um, so I like doing music stuff, but I also love comics more than all of that stuff. So pretty much all I do is try and do as little work as possible so I can read as many comics as possible. It's a dream. So now I can say that comics is work. Um, so let's let's step into our office <laughs> and review. I feel like every week we should uh, we should start with the new number ones each week because yep. uh, I don't know if you know much about comics comics these days, but I feel like uh, five hundred number ones come out every week now. Yep, it is a constant um, cycle of new beginnings these days. It used to be much more sort of long form, and you could separate these things into arcs and stuff. And now it's just like. New creative team, new number one. Or not even new creative team, just new story arc, new number one. Yeah. It's actually, Which has its benefits and its sort of problems. Totally. It, it means that for, for a podcast like ours, it means that we, we can always provide you with a great jumping on point mm-hmm. if you want to uh, explore a character or, or, or a series. Um, but uh, this week, we've got two new number ones um, that, we, that we picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually quite a small week of comics, which yeah. is which kind of good. It means we can uh, explore other things once we review the week's comics. But uh, the two number ones that we're going to be talking about um, are Independence Day, the comic. Yeah. I should. I feel like I should preface that with um, I've never actually seen Independence Day, <laughs> the film. So I sort of picked this up like, you know what? Maybe I'll understand what this is about. And I didn't. But anyway. So, um, Siobhan, Independence Day <laughs> is uh, an incredibly perfect movie oh really uh, it came out in 1996 ish um and it's uh about aliens attacking on the like second of july and they blow up the uh. white house and then the world especially america pretty much just america yeah. uh basically like bands together world. earth's mightiest heroes who are jeff goldblum and will smith oh awesome um, and president either who's like um he was um the guy who in while you were sleeping not Calvin Klein. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Klein. <laughs> um, yeah, he's one of those like you know just very easily easily interchangeable like you know middle aged American actors, mm. but he's the president and he ends up blowing up the massive spaceship on Independence Day. What? Spoiler cool. alert: America wins. Uh, so Independence Day number one. Uh, it's by Victor Gishler and Steve Scott. Two names that I've never read in my life before. Same. This is a Titan Comics. So, um, Titan are one of the smaller publishers. I think they're English, aren't they? Oh, uh, sure. Anyway. Um, but this had an awesome cover, which yes. I think is the main reason. The main reason, reason, I, the reason I got it is, is an unbelievable cover. You should look it up. Independence Day, number one. It's a red, white, and blue spaceship firing down on the world. It's just a really, really great cover. Very Inside, striking. the art is terrible. Yeah, less good, less good interiors. It starts okay. Like the, the, this guy's really good at drawing alien spaceships and 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 war stuff, but not so good at drawing faces. And unfortunately, there's a stack of faces in this. Maybe I've just like convinced myself that this is like made in England, but don't you think it looks like a sort of Judge Dredd esque yeah, style of like the last story in a in a 2000 AD mm. that you go? Oh, I'm gonna read this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't um, read the previous six. Look, this isn't terrible if you're a massive Independence Day fan. Um, I certainly was when I saw it when I was 12 years old at a uh, knockoff IMAX theater in the Blue Mountains. Nice. Um, it's, I mean, Independence Day is a hallmark action movie of the 90s and they've certainly channeled the 90s with this mm. comic. 
Yeah. The, the art style is very 90s. The story is very 90s. The relationships between the men and women in this are very 90s. Yeah, I liked the classic um, he catches her, one of the male characters catches one of the female characters getting changed. Classic Whoa, 90s classic. antics. And then she refers, she goes, you seem anxious. That can't be the first time you've seen a brassiere, which I thought was some like <laughs> yeah, that, really awesome That's why you think this dialogue. is a British written comic, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> um. Yeah, so basically it's about um, uh, an, a, a, a naval service dude called Joshua Adams who was part of the initial um, army attacks back on the uh, Independence Day aliens. And uh, they found, after, after Jeff Goldblum um, uploads a virus in the movie and, and finally they destroy all the ships, um, one ship falls deep below the sea. So jo- this, uh, Joshua Adams leads a team of Marines uh, in a submarine to go in and explore this alien ship, which is actually ginormous, and um, we don't know what happens because the last thing is oh, actually no, they go they get inside the alien ship and then they get attacked by an alien, and we'll never find out what happens next because I don't want to read another issue of this. Same. Independence Day number one. The one thing I will say for it is that the colors are extremely good. So Stefani Renee, yep, you did a great job. Cool, nice. Um, if you love Independence Day. You'll probably love yeah. this. Like, I mean, the, the dialogue in this is as good as the dialogue in Independence Day is. So, um, you I really mean, sold so, me on the movie. I really the, want to see it now. <laughs> I don't know. It's, there's, it's like a weird thing. Like, a, a really, really dumb action movie is fun yeah. to watch, but it's pretty painful to read. Yeah, true. Uh, like, I'd never read like a John Claude Van Damme comic. Oh, I would. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, let's move on to in the next number one in our number one corner. Um, so, that, I guess, like, if you, if you want, if you're a new up and coming comic. Um, all you need to do to win number one corner is just have us decide if we're going to read number two. Mm. Um, so Hyperion number one uh, by Chuck Wendig, Nick Varela, and uh, Romulu Fajardo Jr. Um, I hate listening to comic book podcasts where they butcher Spanish last names of colorists and, and mm. artists. So I'm going to try my hardest to not do that. Um, <laughs> but Hyperion is, is is a lesser known Marvel character. He is Marvel's answer to Superman. Mm. Um, he comes from a uh, another dimension, another world far, far from ours. And he's the last surviving member of that. Is he from a world? Is he's from his universe. So he won up Superman. Yeah, he's, he's like extreme superman so where 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 superman is the last surviving member of krypton hyperion is the last survivor of his universe and i like in the um in the opening sort of um page where they explain you know the context of this it says um but now hyperion is left on earth unsure of his place in it is he a hero is he a murderer i mean they're pretty it's pretty easy to figure that out have you (laughs) murdered someone yes you are a murderer justified (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're a hero. <laughs> um, so Hyperion, I've had very limited. Um, yeah, I don't know him really. I mean, I, I really enjoyed him in Jonathan Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers run. Um, he was uh, like, I guess, kind of always like a B or C um, story character in, in, in his um, very big epic. But um, towards the end of it, he kind of joined Thor and went up against the Beyonders and proved himself as worthy as Thor, mm. which I thought was very cool mm. and a cool way to go out. Um, but there's not much to Hyperion, really, and this no. comic is definitely trying to give him as much kind of... I don't know, like, give him... They're, they're trying to... Instead of telling this story from Hyperion's eyes, you you see it from a small uh, teenager. Um, what's her name? She has oh, blue hair. Yeah, she's quirky. 
She is, is a, what she's you a, need to she's know. She's a quirky girl. She comes from the circus. <laughs> and does she have powers? No. Oh, yeah. There's some sort of implication is, that she can... Her name is Doll. There's an implication that she can talk to machines in some way and she has a really cool tattoo around her neck that makes it look like you can like... Like dotted lines around her neck that you can cut off her head. Super cool. Yeah, like as, as cool as one of the Suicide Squad movie tattoos Absolutely. that we'll see on the big flawless, screen very soon. Flawless character design. Um, so um, she runs away from the circus and uh, finds Hyperion, who is kind of undercover, walking away from his duties as a hero to try and find himself somewhere in America. Yeah, and he's working. He's working as a truck driver, which I have a few questions about. Okay, because. Um, how did he get a truck? <laughs> how long did it take him to get his license on Earth? Okay, well, Is this all... Um... <laughs> no, 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 no. I have a very easy answer for you. He murdered the truck driver. <laughs> so we have our answer. He is a murderer. Yeah, so she's trying to escape this circus and the crazy people that she works with. Um, finds who she thinks is Hyperion Spends most of the issue Trying to convince herself That she's ma- made the right decision Going to this guy And that he's not just some random dude He is actually Hyperion And it isn't until like The last few pages That he fights back To these crazy circus guys Who come together He hits a guy with a tree Bam that'll, That's how you That's how you murder someone. That's true <laughs> <laughs> um, But look Not much happens in this issue I I guess I might read number two on this. If you, again, if you were for some reason a massive Hyperion fan, I think it's cool that they're finally making a Hyperion comic. Yeah, and, uh, true. And I do, I do quite like the art. I think that it's got that sort of new school Chris Samney sort of vibe. Yes. Um, which I am a fan of. I don't know if, um, like, I don't know if the way to make me like a, a Superman analogy is have him beat up people that live in an evil circus. <laughs> like, surely the stakes should be higher than that. Although so Superman versus the evil circus does sound kind of great. It and I would it that. sounds certainly better than Batman v Superman. But more <laughs> on that later. Let's move uh, away from number one corner over to number 50 corner. <laughs> uh, because DC have uh, finally hit the 50 mark. And hilariously, they're not going to do their this current run of comics up to number fifty-two. They're, oh, that would have been so funny. That would have just been like I don't know, weirdly symmetrical. Why yeah. didn't they do that? No, oh, whatever. Uh, so they're going up to number fifty-one. So this is the penultimate issue of Batman, Dumb. Uh, written by Snyder, Scott Snyder, and Greg Capullo. I think it's like one of the few teams um, that that uh, that pretty much stayed mm. on the same title for the entire run of New Fifty Two. Um, I started reading this when the New Fifty Two relaunched. Uh, for those who don't know, a few years ago. The DC Universe, as we know it, killed itself and rebirthed itself, but not DC Rebirth. It just re- rebirthed. Oh, it's very confusing. Oh, man, this is very confusing. Because there was already a series called Rebirth. That's right. There's, yeah. Anyway, let's get into this oh, later. Goodness. <laughs> In any case, uh, a few years ago, they relaunched the DC Comics titles as the new 52, 52 new DC Comics. Um, and of that 52, maybe one and a half were good. And uh, I would say this Batman run... Oh, that's unfair. There Scott- were some better ones. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, the biggest problem from my... As a long-term uh, DC fan, and, and before the New 52, I probably would have said that I like DC more than Marvel. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so basically, like, they, they, they relaunched and every single title was gritty and mm. dark. Um, bar, you know, some very, very great examples. I loved Azarello's Wonder Woman run, mm-hmm. which I think is as good as anything... Um, you know, Greg Rucker or mm-hmm. uh, Gail Simone did um, pre-52 um, and, and extremely different and unique too. Yep. Um, 
I really, really enjoyed the uh, Batman and Robin series um, by uh, Pete Tomasi and mm-hmm. Patrick Gleason. Um, and the Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo run was the one that was most celebrated by pretty much all DC fans. Mm. Um, and for good reason, it definitely um, you know brought something new to the character while honoring everything that had come um, come in Batman comics before it. I really loved the first story they told, which is the Court of Owls. Yeah, that's a great arc. Up until the last issue, where I feel like everything everything Scott Snyder wrote had to have some kind of crazy twist. Mm. I mean, and which is fair enough. You know, comics often love to twist it up. But um, I feel like more than anything, Scott Snyder has this, he, you know, he, he clearly loves Batman. Yeah. and um, <laughs> Maybe too much. Yeah, but everything everything had like had to have like an underlying massive sentimental note in Batman's history that he was... So he couldn't just tell a story that wasn't yeah. somehow trying to kind of turn Batman's history into something new. Yeah, or say something really uh, like sentimental and overarching about Batman as a character and what he represents and all that sort of stuff, which I, I yeah. mean, I'm down for. And I'm down for that too when you let the story do that, but yeah. he would actually have the villain say, I'm trying to do this to you, Batman, mm. and this is why I'm trying to do this. You've done this too much, and because I'm doing this... But yeah, I feel like, I feel like you know there was just so much exposition from every, every, yeah. every one of his bad guys had... All the villains, from like Joker to even this 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 new character Bloom that he introduced in the last uh, twelve issues. Oh, who I do not like. No, it seemed it seemed just way too. It wasn't like you know. I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't necessarily need comics to be grounded, but I feel like no. there is like a level of groundedness in in a solo Batman title that you expect. Mm. Like if you put Batman and Justice League title for sure, have him shooting space people and mm. and and people made of weird substances, but. I, I think I think there's space for those kinds of like quirkier Batman stories. I just don't think this is a good example of one. You know, I think that it's a not super compelling villain. Um, and in fairness, I haven't read a lot of this. No, I know that's we should definitely put a disclaimer out there. Like, you know, we we kind of have no right to uh, to judge this as harshly as we plan to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, I mean. That said, it's a really, really fun comic. And, and yeah. so, like, comics should be fun, and this one is. So, you know, 10 out of 10 for that. And, it, like, this is... Um, so, for the last... I'm not quite sure how long. Um, but so, Batman has not been Bruce Wayne for a little while. He um, Commissioner Gordon has taken on the mantle, and he's been wearing this sick Batman robo suit with, like, really long ears that I think makes him look like a rabbit more than a bat. He also um, um, shaved shaved himself his head and now has a mohawk. Mm, so he's cool. Yeah. So so Scott Snyder ends his Batman run with a mohawked Commissioner Gordon and a one handed Alfred. What um, happened to Alfred's other hand? Uh, the Joker cut it off. Oh. Yeah. It's not cool. <laughs> um, but so this issue sees Bruce back in the cow, which is always exciting. And I do still really like Greg Capullo. I really like his. Um, version of the character i love a good chunky batman mm-hmm. so um i'm very into that and i would also say that the backup story which was art by yannick, yannick paquette yes and was more sort of talking about you know commissioner gordon but the art's really beautiful in that and i think Absolutely. it says a lot about nathan fairbarn and his amazing coloring work because I like Yannick Paquette, but I think that this really elevates his work. Absolutely. Yeah, after seeing like a very, um, you know, quite strangely youthful, punky Commissioner Gordon, mm. it was really refreshing to see like, you know, even though he's got drastically um, different 
uh, hair and a new look, Commissioner Gordon still looks a bit more like Commissioner Girl yeah. towards the end of this issue. It's funny. Like I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, when you read a superhero comic, you know what all the superheroes look like because they wear costumes. Mm. But for someone like Commissioner Gordon, you take him out of the police outfit Especially in the New 52 because he doesn't have that big, you know, white moustache. Yeah, and, yeah. The you know, glasses. sunglasses and stuff. Mm. Um, it's, it, it is difficult to maintain, like, you know, this is what this character looks like um, yeah. when, when you're swapping from artist to artist. Um, but I feel like, yeah, this, in particular, I, I think Commissioner Gordon is one of the top three Batman characters of all time. Mm. So, like, yeah, it, it is, it is it, in, a, in, a, in, an, in a Batman arc that, that took him to new lengths that he'd never had before. Basically, you know, he became Batman. Mm. Um it's good to see him, you know, still looking like good old Commissioner at the end. Mm. And I like, I like their cute relationship. I like it when Batman and Commissioner Gordon have a cute relationship. Um, a a so question nice. that will come up in, the, in, our, in our episode later on. Whose friendship do you admire more? The friendship between Batman and Commissioner Gordon or the mm. friendship between Batman and Superman? Ooh. I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah? Okay. Because well, I love friendship. <laughs> 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 I, th- I think I think uh, that's like my favorite DC books are mm. about friendship. Yeah, no, for sure. That's when, like, I mean, there's a reason that they had a series called Super Friends because that's the thing that's fun about them. No one wants to see Batman fight Superman. Everyone wants to see them being best friends and teaming up and having adventures. Exactly. And yeah. Um, and we'll be recommending you many comics in which they do exactly that later on in the episode. Um, so let's move away from DC. Um, but that said, look, we, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to to reading number 51 of Batman. I, I mm. think Scott Snyder is a great Batman writer. He will go down as one of like the Batman writers, you know? Awesome. I just think some of the, some of the stories in this, like I, I didn't love, I, I tapped out midway through year zero, zero year, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, but again, I love the Court of Owls story and more than anything, I loved his detective comics run before yeah. the New 52. Black Mirror will like go down. Like that put him in one of my top, Batman that's, writers uh, yeah, of all time. That's like if if I ever you know hear of someone that is you know he likes Batman, but I, I don't know if they necessarily have read many Batman stories. It's mm. always the first one I'll give them. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a classic Batman story that was written not not so long ago hmm. with art by Jock and uh, Francesco Francavilla. Very good. Yeah, very brilliant. Much more of a sort of um, like grounded detective story. Well, that's the thing. Scott Snyder is capable of doing an incredible detective story, mm. but I feel like. This Batman run, the stories that are the most celebrated of his, mm. Batman doesn't do any detective work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I miss. Whereas Court of Owls was amazing in mm. that it was like, you know, a crazy action detective book. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but if you like the word Scott Snyder and detective, we'll be saying those words later on when we talk about DC Rebirth. Ooh. Before we get there, Marvel um, put out issue 17 of Star Wars by Jason Aaron, Lean All You. And Sonny Cho doing the colors on this book. Um, this is part two of the fourth story that they're telling in the, the Star Wars uh, canon mm-hmm. comics. Rebel Jail is, uh, is the name of this story. Um, have you read much of the Star Wars comics since they um, started being published yeah. last year? I mean, I've definitely... Um, the main series is the only one that I have kept up with mm-hmm. but i read um a little bit of the princess leia series and a little bit of the um darth vader series and i've i've enjoyed like pretty much all of it you know like i yeah. think they've been really fun additions to the universe i think that it's cool to see 
some fun stories being told there. And also they've managed to get like such great talent to work on the books like absolutely Jason Aaron and I love Lionel Yu well see I would say that Lionel Yu is the first Lionel Lionel I don't know I, you, I could I be right I have no idea the Yuster yeah. um, he's the first artist on this uh, Star Wars book that I haven't thought was the perfect match for uh, I think mm, looks, yeah. some panels are really good but I don't know I feel I don't know I feel, he, he does after seeing Stuart Immonen on yeah. Star Wars that was like as good as it got for me. I feel like there's a um, a weird sort of sterileness to use work that like, um, who was that person you just said who just was on Star Wars? Vader Down, which was the arc before this, was drawn by Mike Diodato. Mike Diodato right. Um, who did Original Sin with Jason Aaron, the mm. event that nobody likes. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. Yeah, it was all right. Well, the first couple <laughs> issues were great. And then it just tailed off into nothing. Like many events do. Um, um, but I think that there's a sort of warmth and um, like tactileness to the Star Wars universe that maybe you doesn't quite uh, get across but I love the way he draws Leia I love the scary um, uh, so in this story they're in jail they're in uh, they're in, they're in the, one of the hardest the biggest jails in the Star Wars universe which is inside a sun mm-hmm. and um, spooky they've taken one of uh, Darth Vader's ally a droid and weapon specialist her name is Dr. Afra. Um, captive, and she's been. They've taken her to the jail. That's just it's Leia and um, Sana Staros, who is the possible wife of Han Solo. No, confirmed, not wife. Oh boy, I can't remember why, but not wife. <laughs> um, but she's like a cool bounty hunter as well. Yeah, so you've got three women inside a jail, and then um, a a, a, a possible bounty hunter, or you know, someone shows up and basically. Um, starts killing prisoners in an effort to try and uh, get Princess Leia to also kill prisoners to mm. teach Princess Leia a lesson, something mm. like that. Look, it's a fun story. It's a very, very fun, fun romp. Um, mm. all, all the while this is happening, um, Han and Luke um, are off on a mission, but then Han goes gambling and accidentally loses all of their money. Um, and then there's a bunch of antics, including um, Luke agreeing to cram the Millennium Falcon full of nerfs. So they are herding nerfs in case you didn't understand that joke and need it forced down your throat more. Yeah, um, but within the, there's a, there's an image of uh, of Han and Luke in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon with like eight nerfs uh, like crammed in there, which doesn't seem possible. Like no. we've also, seen within that. Have we space. have we seen what nerfs are before in the Star Wars universe? Because they just look like buffalo. I think that yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Is that confirmed? Yeah, they, 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 they use them for milk. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I mean, look, it's it's that's it. It's look, as someone that I don't really care about these stories being canon. I know a mm-hmm. lot of massive Star Wars fans get upset at some of the you know antics that go on in them because you know, for instance, like you know, Luke has multiple encounters with Darth Vader. Mm. These are all set in between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and we have you know friends of ours think that by having them spend time you know fighting each other in between those movies it it definitely it doesn't make it as impactful it lessens the impact of when they of when he sees him again and empire strikes back and finds out that he's his father mm. um but i feel like i don't know i was reading the dark horse Dom- star wars comics for years mm. so i'm perfectly okay with just reading a star wars comic as a fun adventure yeah i think yeah, I mean, people I that think, I think canon that's almost something that's um, like you become used to as a comic book fan because sure. it's too hard. Like continuity and canon and shit 
become like exhausting yeah. when you read comics um, professionally. <laughs> um, so As a, for one hour professionally. <laughs> um, for 27 minutes so far, we have been reading <laughs> comics professionally. Thank you very much. Serious issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I think you learn to let go of that stuff a little bit more and just enjoy a fun story. But I can appreciate for big Star Wars fans why that would be frustrating. And I wish, I almost wish that Jason Aaron could leave the sort of movie stuff alone a little bit more. Totally And just agree. have more fun, fun adventures. You know, not every story needs to be like a life-changing thing for Luke. It can just be a silly story about hurting some nerfs. Definitely. I, I actually think that Marvel are hurting themselves by making all of their comics canon. But I feel like that, that's because they're appealing to Star Wars yeah. fanatics that will buy absolutely everything just so they know that, that you know, the backstory of of everyone, every, everyone in the universe. But I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there are so many writers that could have so much fun with, you know, different characters and situations and just make it outside of the, of the, of the canon. Yeah, and the Star Wars universe is huge, you know? There's so many, so many just fun one-off stories that you could tell. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like, uh, how about uh, Boba Fett kills the Star Wars universe? Nice. <laughs> um, Klaus number four. Klaus Klaus. Claws. Oh, I've been calling it Klaus, but, but I guess it's probably supposed to be Claws. So, Claws is the origin tale of Santa Claus that you had no idea you wanted to read so badly month to month. It's crazy how much, like, it is my favorite comic. So, it's written by Grant Morrison in what I think this might be... I think I like this more than Multiversity, um, which I think was, mm. I, I would have said it was my favorite Grant Morrison comic in quite a few years. Mm. Um, arts by Dan Mora, who does I, I think an unbelievably good job of, of this comic. It's like Absolutely. it's like reading one of Disney's best animated movies. Yeah, and I love how um, unashamedly like sexy young Santa Claus is. Like Absolutely. he is he is a hot Santa. So there's like a small amount of grit in this but it's still it, 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 it like so you know it is a little there's a little bit of darkness in in Santa Claus's past but it doesn't get rid of any of the whimsy you associate with with you know your image of Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. in, the, in 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 telling his story um i just think it's, it's such a cool comic and i, I think i re- i just you know it makes no sense that i'm reading a comic about Santa Claus in in march mm-hmm. um but when this comes out I mean, what, we've got three more issues left, so this will probably finish in August or something like that. And then the trade will come out a couple months after that. Perfect Christmas present for everyone you know. Yeah. Um, I would, I think my favorite Grant Morrison is when he is writing with a lot of sentimentality. Mm. Like you can just, like the best Grant Morrison books, I think, are when you know how much he loves it. You yeah. know, like the best Grant Morrison DC books are like, about the really obscure stuff that he's just like, this is my favorite thing. Definitely. I'm reading Seven Soldiers at the moment, actually. Mm, and that's, so that's a good. example of Holy that. Moly. And later on, we're definitely going to be talking about All-Star Superman, mm-hmm. which I think is probably his greatest superhero work mm. and maybe even the best Superman book ever written. But I think this is like a you know a weird spiritual successor to all, all This is like All-Star Santa Claus. Yeah, <laughs> it really um, is. It, you know, it, it, tells, it tells a really fun story of 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 how Santa Claus came to be um an e- exiled soldier um and I just what I loved about this is you know it just it just tells little vignettes that really quickly that gives you a little bit of backstory like like his relationship with the wolf mm. and how that came to be I just thought that was just like I was like oh my god I, this is why I love Grant Morrison as a writer because yeah. I feel like yeah you either get sentimental Grant Morrison who just writes a really beautiful story like this or you get like 
totally far out and crazy, Grant Extreme Morrison. Extreme, Grant Morrison. And you don't really understand some of it until the end, but do you? <laughs> um, so I, I had a lot of problems with the comic that came out last year called Nameless. Um, yeah. And this is like the antithesis of that. Like I'd, I'd love every moment of this and yeah. I, I can't wait to read the next one. I feel like Grant Morrison either writes like classic fairy tales or completely impenetrable like sci-fi <laughs> nonsense. Which has its place, absolutely, absolutely, it's just, just not for me. And like, I feel like yeah, it should be, it should go without saying that just because it wasn't for wasn't for us any comic that we talk about today, doesn't mean that it's you know without yeah. without merit. And feel free to tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> you can email us at uh, what's that email? It is seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Easy. Um, I read another Marvel comic book this week. Um, like I said earlier, it's a quite a quiet week for us. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, we're reading like 10, 10 to fifteen comics a week. This week only. Six to eight. Mm. Um, I read uh, X-Men, The Worst X-Man Ever, number two of five, uh, written by Max Bemis, who is a frontman of an emo band that I've never heard of. Oh, uh, really? What's he the frontman of? Uh, you can Google it right now with your Google computer. Yeah. Max Bemis? Max Bemis. It? B-E-M-I-S. He is the... Oh, he is the lead singer, primary composer, and primary lyricist of the band Say Anything. You, you, you a big fan of Say Anything? Uh, I don't think I know who they are. <laughs> I'm comfortable with you never knowing who they are either. <laughs> While you're there, look up what Michael Walsh has done besides this book because he does artwork in this book and it's just incredible. Hmm. Well, the first thing that comes up is Michael Walsh, um, orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> Maybe oh, he's got a day job. That'd be fun. Yeah, man, he is. Um, he's not done much, really. Anything of note? They're really cool. Sorry, I'm just having a look. Um, Marvel Secret Avengers. I remember that. That was really good. Did you do some of the Warren Ellis stuff? Yeah, or? I think so, yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, X-Files Season 10. Okay, right. Comeback and Zero Issue Number 1, which um, I really enjoy Zero. He did, Comeback was uh, was a Dark Horse book. Oh, okay. About a... Yeah, I, I, I think it was anyway. So he looks like he's the kind of guy who is on the up and up and we will probably be seeing more of him. Yeah. Um, for the a lot most- of covers, a lot of IDW covers. I definitely ended this issue thinking, oh my goodness, I, this guy would be perfect f- on an Archie comic. Yeah, this is like what if Archie was in the um, X-Men universe. <laughs> yeah, so X-Men universe at the moment, the, all the X-Men books in Marvel are almost like their answer to the darkness in that, that is DC New 52. Mm. I feel like all of the X-Men books at the moment, all new X-Men and Extraordinary X-Men um, and countless other spinoffs are very, very dark and, mm. and without humor. Um, whereas this is just a straight up comedy romp, it's, which is always fun. It's always fun to see like a straight up comedy book in superheroes, and it's not in canon at all. Um, it basically tells the story of the worst X Man ever, who is a completely unremarkable high school kid who can't even find a date to the prom. Classic uh, setup, but then he finds out that his parents are mutants. Um, and he gets excited because he can't wait to find out that if he's got the mutant gene as well, they send him to the academy. Um, and Beast tells him that he has got the mutant gene and that his mutation is that he can explode. But when he explodes, he will cease to exist. So his X-Men power is that he can explode once and once only. Uh, That's pretty good. Which he says may as well just not be power at all and gets really upset. This is all in the first issue that came out last month. Um, and then within seconds of him leaving, his parents are crushed by a sentinel. 
Nice. And so Beast is like, well, you better live here, live here anyway. <laughs> and he finds his place among the X-Men. You've got... It's just great to see, like, you know, a teenage Jubilee. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, teenage fun. Storm. And, like, just the classic lineup. Professor X is still alive. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really fun. And so this most recent issue um, was about him trying to... I guess find his place within the X-Men universe and he got assigned to different teams. So there's just, just this fantastic montage of him trying to fit in with X-Force and X-Factor and New Mutants and Alpha Flight. And if you uh, have been reading X-Men for a long time, you would you'll just love the It's always funny this. to make fun of Alpha Flight. <laughs> they are the Canadian X-Men. Well you, well, you don't even get Alpha Flight then, you get Beta Flight, which is uh, the the young <laughs> the young guys waiting to be an Alpha Flight. Except Wendigo just hangs out with them to eat poutine with them once a week. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, if if I don't know if if, if you like X Men, but you also miss when comics were funny and you like making fun of things you love, uh, you should definitely pick this up. Um, there is a really great ongoing story with it. Mystique plays a big role in this uh, as well. It's super fun. Mm, absolutely. All right, time Thanks. for Siobhan to try and convince me that manga is good. Woo! All right. So, this week I read the first volume of a book called Princess Jellyfish um, by Akiko Higashimura. That's probably wrong. It's considerably better than my attempt at Spanish earlier. Um, But so, this is a book that centers around an apartment building in Tokyo where the tenants are um, exclusively otaku women. So, a lot of the time we consider, we use the word otaku to mean like interested in Japanese culture. The way they use it in this is just people who are obsessed, like fans, like crazy fangirls. So it's this house of like just nerd women and they're like, no men allowed. And so um, the lead character is obsessed with jellyfish, hence Princess Jellyfish. And her mum died when she was really young and they had this sort of connection over loving jellyfish. Um, And she's like, I will grow up to be a beautiful princess. But she doesn't. She grows up to be a nerd um, who's just obsessed with drawing jellyfish and wants to be an illustrator. Um, And so... All these girls really hate fashionable women. They call them like the stylish, the stylish girls. We hate that. Um, And they refer to themselves as amars, which means nuns. So then a stylish girl sort of stumbles into their lives. Um, Little do they know that it's actually a man dressed as a woman. And he is the son of a notable politician. He's Prince Jellyfish. (laughs) Is he? Did I I win? (laughs) I have no idea yet. Um... (laughs) But so it's sort of like, it's one of those quite sweet things because everyone just kind of accepts, well, the main character accepts him um, and she's like, are you gay? And he's like, no, I just like dressing as a woman because I love fashion. She's like, "Mm, okay. So they sort of strike up a friendship, but there's a sort of ongoing tension there because she can't let the rest of the housemates know that he's actually a man. And then she starts a flirtation with his older brother as the sort of stylish girl who is actually a man starts giving them all makeovers to empower them and help them you know survive in the real world um it is incredibly sweet it is incredibly funny um the lead characters this sort of house of nerds i feel like is incredibly um relatable which (laughs) might not be relatable to everyone but imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To all the nerd girls out there, I feel like you will, you will feel it. Um, it's also, very, if you're a jellyfish. Also, if you're a jellyfish, or if you were into jellyfish, there are some really beautiful. Um, I would say it's more it. likely that that a jellyfish is listening <laughs> than someone who is into jellyfish. <laughs> um, but it's really funny because the um, author of the manga puts all these little um, autobiographical bits in between chapters and it's kind of semi-autobiographical in that she was obsessed with jellyfish as a kid and everyone thought that she was like really really weird jellyfish are sick i'll give you yeah no in fairness they are really cool um but it's really yeah i really highly recommend it the art's beautiful the story's really compelling is that a Um, one-off or is this an ongoing no this is an ongoing series so what's going to happen next i don't know there's so much romance in it because the um, older brother of the boy who dresses like a cross-dresser is also a virgin, which is a huge deal. Um, and he likes the main character girl. But then the cross-dressing guy gets jealous. And he's like, why? I can have all the women that I want. Anyway, so there's an ongoing conflict and romance there, which I am very into. Awesome. Princess Jellyfish. Princess Jellyfish. Five out of five. And you, can you get manga at Kings as well? You absolutely can. And this one um, came out last week. Last time I checked, it was still on the shelf, but they can reorder it for you if you like. And you can uh, buy everything that we've talked about so far at Kings Comics. So thanks to Kings for supplying those comics to us. Um, do you want to award the comic of the week? I think we have to. We, I think every, every episode we should decide yeah. unanimously. So <laughs> two of us have to decide which is the best comic of the week. I think it easily goes to, goes to Klaus. Yeah. Cla- Claus, right? Yeah, absolutely. Claus, Klaus. Also, we have to decide if it's Claus or Klaus. I'm still going to call it Klaus because I it's like... It's not Santa Claus. Yeah, but come on. It's funnier. It's <laughs> like Klaus. It's like I still um, insist on referring to Darkseid as Darkseed because that's how it's spelt, all right? <laughs> oh, boy. That's a great segue into uh, <laughs> Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Um, if you've heard my voice on a podcast before, you may know that I spent two hours of last week complaining at length. I mean, obviously, I said two hours. Yeah. It's, you know, at length is not a necessary two words to, to say. Two. No, it was a long, long complaint session with my co-host Angus Truscott on HeyFam. Uh, just, just tearing into what we didn't like about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, which was pretty much everything. Mm. One of the reasons that I have not seen it. 
Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I ruined it for you before you even thought about seeing it. <laughs> I was feeling very negative about this from very early on. I'll it's a trash movie for idiots. <laughs> and, and I'm sure and there are good it, things in it, you know. And, and, and you're more than welcome to tell me that I'm an idiot uh, if you liked it. I've heard in that fact, Wonder Woman is excellent. Angus and I are desperate to try and find someone that liked the movie so we can interview them for our other podcasts. So, so if you liked it. Yeah, please hit us up. Let us know. We won't ridicule you, I promise. <laughs> Um, I'm just like I. It was just unfathomably bad. I went yeah. in there with kind of low expectations, but I'd seen enough glimpses of cool stuff in the trailer. But then those glimpses are all you get in the actual movie. Yeah. And so it was just yeah. There was there was so so little to love. That was the thing. Like it's it's one thing to say I hated it, but there was just so little to love in it. And when this is like arguably the biggest movie that DC has ever made and there was just so so few things to grasp onto mm. like you know I often will talk about you know Age of Ultron is absolutely a disappointing movie but there are so many fantastic moments in it yeah that it, it's worth you know it's worth, worth sitting through the, slugging through the crap yeah um, yeah and I'm not even talking about the action bit like you know like there, I, I love that you get that drunk conversation between uh Thor and the other guys mm. who are trying to lift his hammer and you're like, oh, this is just a hilarious drunk conversation. But then that actually is a story device because when they need to figure out if they can trust the vision or not, he lifts the hammer, yeah. proving he is worthy. And you're like, oh, wow, that's why they had that. You know, just like there are great filmmaking decisions in that movie. Mm. There were none of those in Batman v Superman. So a lot of people that I've spoken to that aren't massive comic book fans or are comic book fans, but for whatever reason have always hated Superman. Um, <laughs> people just hate Superman. And this film and everything, like Man of Steel did the same thing. It doesn't do, does, does nothing to help you become a Superman fan. I agree. So I thought it would be cool this week when our first episode of Serious Issues to talk about some awesome Superman stories that you should read instead of watching Batman v Superman this week. Yay. Um, so I wrote a few down. Siobhan, you did the same, I think. Yeah, I mean, my list is a little bit briefer because I've never been the hugest Superman. Well, no, I like Superman, but I sort of like him in the context of teams. Absolutely. I think that's when he works best. And I think that's when the relationship between him and Batman work well, because they're sort of of equal standing, um, but they're sort of diametrically opposed while still being best friends. Yeah. And I think, I think actually the, the best way to fall in love with Superman is not to run out and, and, and read. Like if you haven't had any you know interactions with Superman comics before, the best thing for you to do is actually read acclaimed runs on, on Justice League and mm. that kind of stuff and seeing his role in those books. That's how you fall in love with Superman because Absolutely. all the other characters are already in love with him mm. and you fall in love with him because he, they are. Yeah, it's um, the most fun thing like when you read like a Justice League book and it's so clear how in awe everyone is of Superman. Particularly and the young characters. Exactly, and that's what he should be. He should be, he's the big blue boy scout you know and he is the best of humanity he's the yeah the pillar that, that you hold yourself to you just want to be half as good as superman yeah. and he's almost too much like i i really love it in like you know teen titans issues where they don't even show his head because he's too far above everyone that you just all you need to see is the chest yeah, he's like, like he's oh, like the muppet babies he even yeah. talks like wobble, 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 wobble. <laughs> um, so i want to start off um Batman v superman the movie is all about the the, the, the introduction to the trinity Mm. The DC Trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And it does a pretty woeful job of kind of showing you that that's a really great thing to see. Mm. Um, so I thought I would uh, start this list off with a very underrated comic 
um, that you don't see pop up on many lists. It's called Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Trinity, which is almost as big a mouthful as Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, or Bivis Dodge for short. It's by Matt Wagner, who writes and draws this. It looks absolutely incredible. Like, I... I have not read. I mean, I've read lots of Matt Wagner Batman stuff, but not mm. too many things that he's drawn himself. He did Grendel as well. That's him, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I've read some of that too. Um, but this this artwork is on par with like Darwin Cook, who did like the New Frontier and um, so many other fantastic. Probably one of my favorite artists of all time. Oh, really? I was um, gonna be like, would I put him up? Would I put him up there with Darwin Cook? Oh no, as in like uh, Darwin, Darwin Cook is one of my favorite oh, right, artists okay, of all time. Go. And Matt Wagner, this the, tri- the stuff that he's on Trinity, like. I feel like, you know, the golden age depictions of Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman, no one draws those better than Mm. Darwin Cook. Yeah, true. And Matt Wagner in this book, on par. Mm. So, it's about the first time Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman encounter each other. Fun. It's super fun. It's a massive, you know, it's, it's not necessarily canon. It could be canon, but it's not really. Um, you kind of you you. It's a massive plot involving Ras Al Ghul and Bizarro and the Purge. It's super duper fun. It looks beautiful, and there, you know, you, you see different interactions from different characters' point of view, and everyone's hesitant to trust each other at first, and 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 wary of each other's methods but they all come on board with each other by the end of the book because, of course, they do. They're the yeah. Trinity. But, but getting there is, is really, really fun and it's not a predictable romp either. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Hmm. So, if, if, you know, if, if the biggest, your biggest takeaway from Batman v Superman was that it just was not fun, which it absolutely wasn't, you should read Trinity by Matt Wagner. Do, do not you, confuse it with the other Trinity series, which yeah. was many, many issues long and a waste of the paper that it was printed and on. And it's unnecessarily dark and boring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this comic, actually, the easiest way to get it, it's on Comixology for $2 an issue. Holy um, moly. It came out quite a while ago. So you can read one of my favorite Batman stories, one of my favorite Superman stories, and one of my favorite Wonder Woman stories, all in one, for 6 bucks. It's pretty amazing. I'll actually do that because I haven't read it. It's really, really good. It's pretty hard to find otherwise. Mm. Um, what do you got? Um, well, I was just going to recommend... Um, Grant Morrison's Justice League series. Mm-hmm. So he sort of started it off and then um, a couple of other writers took over after him, like Mark Wade and Joe Kelly. But he did about 42 issues, I yeah. think, with, and with, with Howard Porter on art pretty much the whole way. Uh, yeah, pretty much the whole way through, which is really lovely and really consistent. Um, it's very sort of um, late 90s, early 2000s DC universe. But it's super, it's one of those few 90s comics that holds up. Like Absolutely. There are a few dull moments of over-explanatory dialogue, but... Mm. For the most part, it holds up. Yeah, The stories absolutely. are great. Yeah, for sure. It's and Plastic really, Man's really cool. in it. And Plastic Man's in it. Everyone's <laughs> favorite Justice League member. And my second favorite Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner. Oh, Kyle Rayner. Yeah, right? Second favorite. Oh, is your first Guy Gardner? Yeah. Awesome. Mine too. Obviously. Um, but yeah, I'd really, really highly recommend that. Um, speaking of Grant Morrison, uh, we brought it up earlier in the show, but I feel like you can't have a discussion about good Superman comics without talking about All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. Yep. Um, it is Grant Morrison at his most sentimental mm. and uh, just his most loving towards a character. Yeah. Um, and it really, really hints on, speaks on Superman's ability. Like Superman's number one thing that he puts ahead of all or anything else is the safety of others and protecting humanity. Mm. And there are just incredible scenes where there's just utter, utter chaos going on and 
amidst it all, Superman just darts in and out of trouble and no one notices that he's even there, but he's just protecting people as, you know, all hell breaks loose. Mm. And I just think, and so effortlessly as well. Um, I feel like no one ever did a better display of, you know, how effortless Superman is as Superman and what an effort it is for him to be a klutz as Clark Kent. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really, really incredible series. I can't actually really want to reread it because I've spoken about it so many times in the last week defending yeah. Superman as a character. <laughs> it is it is got to be one of the all-time best Superman stories, far and away. Um, same as uh, another legendary comic book figure, um, Alan Moore. Um, he's written a couple of Superman stories, um, all short. Um, one of them is called Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Pretty good. Mm. Another one is a DC Presents uh, comic um, which features Swamp Thing and Superman. Um, and Swamp Thing has to save Superman's life after he contacts an alien virus. Contacts an alien virus. Um, but my favorite one is called For the Man Who Has Everything, which is a uh, book about Superman's birthday and um, Batman and Robin delivering him a gift. But someone has already delivered Superman a gift, which is a like a flower that latches onto his body and puts him in a state where he's back on Krypton and living the life that he thought he always had to. And he has to convince himself to leave the dream world that he's always wanted to live and go back to the reality. That's pretty heartbreaking. It's really devastating story. Arts by Dave Givens and probably like, you know, just one of the most incredible studies of Superman Mm. you've ever written. Yeah. Red. I feel like it's an important point that like his alienness always has to be there. Like Superman was kind of intended as this character, like to represent sort of, Jewish immigrants um, and but not the way that Zack Snyder represents him as an alien which no. is as like other and gross and weird Independence Day <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I've also got a weird, weird one on here another another Elseworlds tale this one's by J.M. Dematius mm-hmm. I don't ever know how to pronounce his name yeah. anyway, I, I think I nailed it yeah, um, nice. Speeding Bullets is uh, basically a what if story what if Superman landed in Gotham instead of Kansas and was raised by Martha and um, and Thomas Wayne. And um, when they are shot in Crime Alley, his powers manifest and he blasts Joe Chill with his laser vision. Cool. And then uh, basically, like, you know, has no one to raise him as the Superman that we know and love because Superman wouldn't be Superman without Ma and Pa Kent. That's true. Um, yeah, pretty interesting story and you, uh, until it kind of... You, for some reason, Lex Luthor becomes the Joker. Didn't love that part. Mm. It's a stretch. <laughs> um, Jeff Johns has written a stack of great Superman comics. Clearly loves the character as much as Grant Morrison does. Um, did a very great action comics run um, that is pretty easy to get lost in when he does all of the... Uh, what's the um, the future guys that want to be like Superman? Oh, the... Um the Legion of the Superheroes. The Legion of yeah. Superheroes. It's pretty. It's pretty easy to get lost in this series when they, uh, when there are there are a bunch of stories featuring the the future versions that of of Superman and different DC characters that just want to be like the old Superman. It's, it's confusing. The Legion of Superheroes. The Legion are like an exceptionally confusing area of the DC universe. And there's like a million characters, and they're all pretty terrible. But there are two stories that he co-wrote with uh, Richard Donner, who did the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeves. Um, Last Son and Brainiac mm-hmm. um, And they are really excellent Superman stories yeah. Also really worth reading If you are for some reason New to the Superman mythos And you're like How did this alien get here? What? Why is he like a human? 
Um, Jeff Johns did a really great retelling of the Superman origin story called, I believe, Superman Secret Origin with art by Gary Frank, which I rate very highly. Um, there are a couple of really good Superman origin stories. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the original one by John Byrne is really good. Not the original, the 80s one by John mm-hmm. Byrne is really good. But my favorite is probably Birthright by Mark Wade and the aforementioned Lionel Yu. Isn't that so funny? Because Birthright gets a really bad rap. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to like about it. Yeah, um, I agree. Half of it is. I, I, I actually, no, I, I think you're right. I think uh, uh, Jeff Johns definitely tells a better story, but I, I, I liked mm. the, you know, character relationships between Lex and, and, and Clark in this one. And The thing I really loved about Birthright is the whole um, thing of him developing the character of Clark. So there's this whole sequence where he's sort of developing the posture of Clark and learning how to be clumsy and learning how to sort of be a nerd because he's not. He's Superman. He's cool. So I really like that. I liked the sort of, like, you understand very clearly that Clark's the mask and Superman's the real guy. Um, Mark Millar has written a couple of great Superman stories. Astonishingly. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think Mark Millar has written lots of great stuff in the last year too. I actually no, I agree. I wanted to do a, a, a focus on him in the future of uh, the best um, of the image um, limited series that he's been doing in the last year with different amazing artists because mm. uh, he's done some great ones. Um, but uh, he did the one that gets the most uh, attention is uh, the one that Mark Millar wrote with uh, Dave Johnson on art, which is an Elseworlds tale called... Red Sun, which is about um, what if Superman landed in Russia and became the superhero Russia needed. Um, but my favorite stuff that Mark Millar done did <laughs> uh, was the, his run on the adventures of Superman, Superman Adventures. Yeah, that's some really like classic uh, standalone Superman issues. If you want something for a kid, I'd really highly recommend it. If you want something just for you and you just want something that's not bogged down by continuity and you can just jump in and read a really fun Superman story. With, yeah, with heaps, heaps of visits by Mr. Mitzel Spitlick. Yep. How great would it be if he was just in Zack Snyder's Superman? I would, if, if it turned yeah. out this was all just Mr. Mitzel Spitlick's like horrible like Zack Snyder fantasy. is Mr. Mitzel Spitlick. He just needs to say <laughs> Zack Snyder backwards and he'll go away forever. Uh, <laughs> it's worth um, a try. Yeah. Definitely recommend that. Um, and some quick ones too. I really liked um, the story called Kryptonite, which is part of Superman Confidential, which is a short-lived um, Superman story in the uh, Superman uh, run in uh, the early 2000s. This one was written by Darwin Cook and um, drawn by Tim Sale, who did a lot of stuff with Jeff Loeb in the uh, in the 90s. That's you know beloved. Mm. Um, and this is really fun. It's about you know Superman's relationship with Kryptonite, the one thing that can harm him. Um, Kurt Busiek from um, Astro City and uh, Stuart Immonen did a great book called Stu- Secret Identity, um, which is kind of like an alternate telling of uh, a kid whose name is just happens to be Clark Kent, and he grows up and everyone making making jokes that he's Superman, and then suddenly he starts manifesting Superman's powers and how he lives with that, which That's is a pretty fun. really really fun book. Um, and finally, um, Garth Ennis did a. Uh, a, a comic in the 90s called Hitman which was about a hitman who's who basically took out contracts on superpowered human beings it's a deconstruction of superheroes which Grant Morrison is sorry that which Garth Ennis has done far too many of um but <laughs> still a, regular superhero stories for Christ's sake there's Garth. an amazing um story towards the end of the run where um uh through a series of miscommunications and and funny interactions um superman and hitman spend the night together hanging out um Ooh. and they have very different uh methodologies and um uh 
they, you know, it, it's, just a, it's just really, really great character moments between them both. And the um, all of the Hitman stuff has actually really recently been um, reprinted in trade. So it's a great time to pick that up. Yeah, with art by, by John McRae, which is really, really fun. It's a super fun book. It's very 90s. Very 90s. Have you got any more Superman stories for us, Siobhan? Um, well, I was just going to mention, which are sort of tangentially Superman stories, but if you were confused by that weird dream sequence in um, Superman v. Batman... Which is like the kind of foretelling of what Darkseid may bring to planet Earth and Batman. Um, I really highly recommend checking out the source material, which is Jack Kirby's Fourth World series. Slightly hard to track down. You might have to get it through Comixology these days, but it's some of the most like imaginative, compelling, bizarre... DC comics of all time and if they are bringing even a tiny bit of that into the cinematic universe um, I want to be all over it if you would like a slightly more modern um, look at that kind of universe I recently reread Grant Morrison's Final Crisis which I really didn't enjoy at the time but massively enjoyed on reread um, yeah, I think the more you know about the DC universe and the more you've read, like I feel like every time, like if you read that five years from now, you'll enjoy it even more. Yeah. When I read it, it was like one of the first DC comics I've ever read. And I was like, what the fuck is going on in this thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that in itself was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gives you a really um, fun look at the fourth world characters. So um, also really fun. I, I really like Doug Mankey. He's one of those... Um, artist who's just really grown on me and he draws a hilariously chunky superman which i'm super into. you love chunky superheroes. i love a good chunky superhero it's true i don't know what's going on i hated like when i started reading comics i was very like like hated ed mcginnis and now that's all i want i just want like really <laughs> chunky brightly colored like dudes bashing <laughs> each other up um, the story behind the jack kirby's fourth world stuff is is crazy too because he was always associated with marvel created all the wild cosmic stuff um, alongside Stanley, or probably just did it, and Stanley yeah. promoted it. <laughs> um, but you know, he, a lot of a lot of Marvel's most incredible and famous um, creations are Jack Kirby's doing. So yeah. when he finally moved to DC, everyone was like, "What the hell is he going to do?" And, and it was crazy, so crazy. All the new gods. And the first issue um, that sort of introduces you to this world is a Jimmy Olsen story, and it's the first time that Jimmy Olsen was presented as like a relatable teen and as cool. So he was like riding a motorcycle and had a leather jacket. And he goes on this crazy mission working for the daily planet with um, this sort of team of hilarious newsboys to solve a mystery. And it just blows massively out of proportion. And that it's sounds amazing. very similar to a scene in Batman V Superman where a CIA agent is going undercover with Lois Lane um, and they go to <laughs> Africa lame. and then they, um, someone Drazik from Heartbreak High. Um, oh, really cool. Shoots him and kills him. And then yeah. in the end titles, it says Jimmy Olsen. And so Jimmy Olsen is in Batman v Superman as a CIA what? agent who dies. Someone told me. For like one minute. That sucks so much. Someone told me that Jimmy Olsen showed up in it as a girl or something. There's Jenny. There's a girl called Jenny. Who works for Daily Planet. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. But Drazik from, from Heartbreak High plays KG Beast. And they wasted him on that? Yeah, he's dead too. Oh man, that sucks so much. But he's just, you know, he's just like a, you, you, like a run, run of the, he's a run of the mill terrorist. That's he's also not like, hilarious yeah. casting. Yeah. Damn it. Batman v Superman in Watch cinemas it. now. In cinemas Don't now. see it. <laughs> <laughs> Go see Zootopia. <laughs> um, so let's conclude this uh, this first very special episode of Serious Issues by talking about DC Rebirth. Siobhan has. 
all of the titles that we're excited about directly yep. in front of her. I do. So these are recommendations. Like, like we, we've we've both spent a lot more time reading Marvel comics in the last three years than we have DC. And mm. as two people that used to love reading DC comics, it's been a bit of a bummer. Um, but there is hope in this rebirth. I am excited. So this is yet another. Um sort of relaunching of the DC universe. This happens a lot. You get used to it in comics. Um, so where they're sort of starting everything again from issue one. Except Detective Comics and Action Comics because they want to be the first uh, publisher to, to put out something that's issue issue 1000. Uh, I mean, cool. <laughs> um, so first up, um, they announced the new Batman creative team, which is very exciting because it's the newly exclusive to DC Tom King writing. So Tom King has written some of our favorite comics from the last year. Um, he writes Omega Man for DC currently, and more importantly, writes The Vision for Marvel, which is one of the most unique and amazing uh, titles being published by Marvel at the moment. It's a real bummer that he didn't get to uh, play around in the Marvel sandbox for longer. But I'm psyched to see him at DC. I didn't read um, any of his uh, Nightwing or um, or Grayson stuff. Oh, you know what? I did read that, not knowing that it was him. And him, him and Tim really Seeley together. Really good fun. Yeah, cool. Really good fun. Um, so this is going to have art split between David Finch, who I do not like, and Mikkel Janin, who I do not know. Um, one thing that's interesting is it says here that King will be using his experience in counterterrorism to bring new threats to Gotham. So he used to work for the CIA. Did you know that? I and did not so know that. He's got a... Um, cool. A, uh, a book on Vertigo called Sons of Babylon, something like that, which is about kind of based on his 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 time at war and oh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, wow, yeah. interesting. Well, I think that's going to be a really interesting take on the character. Um, so kind of almost getting a little bit back to his detective roots, but with a slight CIA twist, which could be really interesting. And the cover looks great, I have to say. Great. Um, then there's Detective Comics, which is going to be by... James, I'm not going to go through everything because there's a lot. Just the but, ones um, that we, we're excited about. Yeah, so this is written by James Tinian the Fourth, mm-hmm. who has been writing um, DC Comics and playing around in the DC Universe for a little while, especially in Batman. He was writing yeah. the Talon series, which wasn't great. He wrote, he wrote some uh, backups in the in Scott Snyder's Batman issues yeah. a while ago. But the reason I'm excited about this is because it's a team book featuring Batman, Batwoman, spoiler, Tim Drake, Cassandra Kane, and Clayface. Um, and I love Tim Drake and Cassandra Kane and Batwoman. So I am extremely geeked to see them back in the DCU. And you're not a Stephanie Brown fan, are you? Spoiler. I'm just not. I just think she sucks. Right. Um, <laughs> and I don't really know why. I gave you the easy option of just saying you were, you were not a fan. You didn't say she sucked. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know why I don't like her. She just. I think she was used poorly at the time when I was reading the books that she was in. And I was just like, ugh, no thank oh, yeah, she, you. Yeah, she was killed. Mm, brutally yes. murdered. And yeah. then it turned out she just pretended to be dead and was in Africa for a year. Lame. Um, next up, which I'm super excited about, is Hope Larson, who um, I'm trying to think of what is probably her best known work. She did a really great version of A Wrinkle in Time, which is a classic um, fantasy novel. Um, very, very talented cartoonist. She is making her superhero debut on Batgirl. But writing as, as the writer, yeah, yeah. Writing it with art by Raphael Albuquerque, which I am thrilled about because he is brilliant. He's done American Vampire and um, actually did a really great series with um, Mark Millar called Huck. Mm, yes. Which is a, a Superman kind of deconstruction. Yeah. Um, so that's a really exciting, exciting team um, to be announced. I'm excited they're bringing back the Birds of Prey. I don't know the writers. It's two women who write for the TV series The 100, 
trying to know what that's about. The 100 is, uh, you know, one of those shows that you don't like for the first 10 episodes, but then yeah. it hooks you. Ah, uh, well. I hope she doesn't do that with comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, for the Batman books is Scott Snyder, obviously, because he's DC exclusive, is never going to go away from Batman. Um, and so he is writing a new series called All-Star Batman, which was a title that was previously written by Frank Miller. So big boots to fill. Um, Not really, because that's his series. I mean, it's shocking. Yeah, that was like and one of the called, worst Batman called, books ever. It was called All-Star Batman and Robins. This one's slightly oh, different. Yeah. Anyway, so this is um, it's going to be in continuity stories featuring some of Batman's biggest villains um and it's going to have an amazing lineup of artists so john Romita jr who he's fine just leave it at that he's, he's fine. fine um and jock who i love yep sean murphy who i love paul pope that's the most exciting artist on there i think paul pope's the most exciting because how hard is it that's to what get... i said oh sorry yeah. i thought you mentioned murphy and i was like no um yeah paul pope i'm thrilled to see paul pope back yeah. on batman paul pope uh, batman year 100 is one of the coolest in, uh coolest batman stories ever yeah and um paul pope's just such a great artist especially when he's doing superhero stuff yeah. which he rarely does so really thrilling and then two more afua richardson who i've um just had to look up and she is a relatively new face in comics but i'm excited to see what she brings to it and tula lote who did the um series blue rose i think that was what it was called which was a warren ellis series for image um a couple of years ago and also extremely talented so i'm really excited to see what they bring um, Dan Jurgens is still going to be on Superman. Fine. <laughs> I like the idea. Um, Gene Luen Yang, who's been writing, is it been he's been writing action or Superman? Yeah, he's been on one of the Superman titles, which I haven't um I haven't been reading, but I really love his book Boxes and Saints, mm-hmm. and also American Born Chinese. He is more of like a traditionally indie comics guy, so it's really cool that he's um more in the superhero scene. He's writing a series called New Superman which features a 16-year-old from Shanghai getting the powers of Superman and learning to be a hero. Which is so cool and kind of almost sounds a bit like a secret identity. That's like Absolutely. Earlier, really fun. Sounds really great. Um, and then the main Superman title, Superman, is going to be written by um, Peter Tomasi, who we both love, um, and Patrick Gleason, who is also excellent, with art by Patrick Gleason and Doug Mankey, um, which I'm really geeked about. I think that sounds really good fun. Yeah, and something to point out is that... Uh, Every, most of these DC titles are double shipping now. They're copying what Marvel's been doing the last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll be getting a lot more comics from, uh, from, from these writers and characters. There is also, um, there's going to be a Trinity book with Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman written and drawn by Francis Manipal, which is the only reason I mention it because I love Francis Manipal's art. I don't rate him as much as a writer. What has he written? I've only seen stuff he's, he's drawn. Um, he has been writing, he took over writing duties on The Flash which I was like, oh, lame, because I loved his art on The Flash and I thought that who they replaced him with wasn't as talented. That's, um, that's an uh, interesting uh, idea for an episode in the future, when artists start writing, which ones are as good a writers as they were artists. Yeah. And which ones weren't. Because some of them just, I mean... That could, be, that could be a brutal episode. Yeah, I know. It's a bit mean, like, <laughs> bless Scotty Young, but um, <laughs> just stick to drawing babies. Um, also thrilling is the new Wonder Woman series. Yeah, this is a, this is the biggest this is the biggest exciting thing. Greg Rucker is returning to DC Comics and to Wonder Woman, which is huge. Which is crazy because I thought the main reason he left DC was because of Wonder Woman because he was meant to write um, Wonder Woman Earth One, but then they gave it to Grant Morrison instead. I heard it. that was a comic oh, really? rumor. Yeah, hmm. but How he he did uh, a little kind of uh, what was the their big event last year. 
that he did he wrote for oh man uh well, convergence yeah convergence he did a convergence story last year where he returned to his characters from the batman universe but he is as famous for doing an incredible wonder woman run and uh, he definitely knows the character and most excitingly he'll be working with nicholas scott on art duties um, well it's actually going to be a um uh, the book is going to be two arcs trading issues. So one arc will be drawn by Liam Sharp, who I'm not super familiar with, but I've just looked him up and he's like a British heavy metal kind of guy. So that's going to be a really interesting take. Um, and then the other arc will be drawn by Nicola Scott, who I love. And that's going to be like a Wonder Woman year one kind of story. Yeah. So you'll be getting interchanging stories from issue to issue. And we have a Grant Morrison Wonder Woman book coming out this year. It's a huge year for Wonder Woman. I'm excited. And a movie next year, which will hopefully be Legions better than Batman v Superman. We Legions. Can, we can assume. Um, there's like, there is a whole bunch and I highly recommend going and um, checking out the full list. I'm just going to go through what else I'm excited about. I am excited um, that Green Arrow is coming back. I don't know any, I don't, it's being written by Ben Percy, Otto Schmidt and Juan Ferreira. But Green, Green Arrow has been written um, ever since the, the New 52 relaunch, but as a young millennial Green Arrow, not the beloved Robin Hood figure that we loved. Yeah, I love I love Green Arrow with a twirly moustache and a difficult attitude towards... Um... Black Canary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so this is really cool. The only reason I'm excited is because the um, cover image that they've shared shows... Ollie back in the hood with a beard and a little green mask, and I'm excited. He's, you know, he's a grisly liberal. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that's, that's what Green Arrow is. It, yeah, it works so well when he has a beard. Not when he's just like Batman. <laughs> so exactly. Batman with an arrow. Um, Bowman. Um, I think that there's going to be there's a really fun sounding um, take on Teen Titans, which I'm always excited about. Um, I don't know who anyone involved in it is again but the person doing art is called john boy john boy myers i love john boy yeah um but so apparently damian wayne decides to take over and lead the team whether they like it or not sounds like good fun to me so unlike a lot of people that have loved dc for a long time you love damian wayne i don't think i love damian wayne he's not my favorite you've told me that you're excited for two books both of which feature damian wayne in, in quite a big role that's true. Well, I think he's a fun character. Why do people not like Damien? I mean, uh, I thought he was universally beloved. I, I think people hate him because everyone loves Tim Drake so much. Yeah. And, and him, his presence stops Tim Drake from being Robin ever because there's already fucking 10 other Robins. Yeah. So. Tim Drake is my fave Robin. Mm-hmm. I would put in the list of Robins, I would go Tim Drake. Oh, who would I put next? Spoiler at the end when she was Robin for a second. <laughs> Two issues. Then probably, then probably Dick. Then probably Damien. Then Jason. Yeah, fuck Jason. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so that should be cool. And another Damien Wayne series, which I am excited about as well, is called The Super Sons. Um, but they haven't released the creative team yet. And it's a it's about the sons of Batman and Superman teaming up. Um, so Damien Wayne is the son of Batman and Talia Al Ghul who's been in numerous comics uh, since pre-52, but also been a quite a, almost a main, a main focus of quite a few stories of the, of the new 52 Batman stories. Um, and then uh, what's the name of the Kent boy? Uh, isn't his name like John? John Kent. John Kent. John Boy Kent. <laughs> um, he is the son of the pre-52 Lois and Clark, 
who have been hiding in, for whatever reason, they made their way over to the New 52 world and they've been undercover and had, they had a kid. But the New 52, that would have been five years ago, so I don't understand how the kid is, is Damien Wayne's age. Who knows? Who cares, to be honest? Ah, I, up until this point, I'd assumed it was the son from Superman Last Son, which we discussed before, which was Chris Kent. Right. Who um, they stole from the Phantom Zone and raised as their own. But no, so ignore that completely. Yeah. Um, but you can check out the full list of the Rebirth announcements. I'm excited. I am tentatively hopeful and excited. I think that there's some really interesting sounding books. It's a much more um, diverse lineup in terms of what they are putting out. I think it speaks to more audiences than what they have previously. Um, totally. Look, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wary, but I'm hopeful as well. Because yeah. like, like, we don't, I don't want to not read DC comic books. No, I mean, I was wary, but hopeful about the new 52. Yeah. I'm always going to be wary but hopeful. Let's hope they nail it. Greg yeah. Rucker being back is crazy and, and I think like a good omen. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's some really great creative talent at DC right now, and I think. And I also think it's crazy that they have, um, because they've obviously locked, locked Tom King in an exclusive. Um, mm-hmm. They've also got... Um, oh, they locked someone else in an exclusive. Um, but I fucked it up. I, fucked it, I can't remember who. Like one of the girls. There's a girl who... Oh yeah, yeah. They've um, they've also locked in Amanda Connor exclusively. Ah, sick. Well, will she stop doing just doing covers and actually do interiors on something again? Well, she's writing again. Ah. Let's, we, we can talk about her as an artist that may not be as might not be as good at writing as they are at art. I love um, Amanda Connor, but I think they may have actually gotten Dan Abnett. Yeah, like, Dan he, Abnett he, he, is writing, writing like two three, series. Two, two series. Yeah. Um, Dan Abnett had a big falling out from his writing partner Andy Lanning, who uh, they're responsible for pretty much Guardians of the Galaxy being cool again, and uh, countless other Marvel cosmic properties. Um, but so, I haven't I haven't read many things that he's written um, solo. Yeah, I like his work at D- his solo work at DC less, um, and I haven't been reading. He's been writing Aquaman, um, which he is going to continue writing after Rebirth, and he's also going to be writing Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love the Titans, so I'll totally check that out. But yeah, I think I I am wary but hopeful <laughs> about him too. All right. Well, that is it for us this week. You have listened to the first issue of Serious Issues, first episode. Yeah. The first issue of Serious Episodes with me, Andrew Levins, and her, Siobhan Coombs, a.k.a. CBG. That's comic book girl for you at home. Yep. Um, you can uh, get in touch with us by sending us an email, seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Please, if you uh, have any feedback for us, have we missed a book that you love? Could we talk about something a bit more interesting to your tastes in the future? Please let us know as nicely as possible. And if you find yourself over by iTunes, please look us up and write us a lovely review. Tell your friends to listen. Um, We're going to be coming to you each week reviewing comics that hopefully you're reading alongside with us as well, recommending you stuff that you should be listening, uh, reading and hopefully getting recommendations from you as well and expanding it. Look, basically, Siobhan and I want to read 100 comics a week. That's the challenge. It's the goal. We're professional comic book readers now, after all. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, See you next guys. Ha <laughs> 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.